listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Hashtag Pizza Is Not Working podcast, here to serve you up a nice hot slice of some pharmacy pizza pie. I'm your host, Dr. Candice Olushala, and y'all have been out of the game for a long, periodically time, but I am here. I am ready to go. I have new equipment. My old equipment was in equipment hospice, and we got it together, y'all, so here we are. I had to move across the country, too. I forgot the point that out. So all is well, we are back in the game, ready to get in it. And at the perfect time, because you guys, I got some news for you. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but healthcare is out here. Just letting people know we ain't dealing with the mess no more. So this is what's been happening. First off, shout out to the Kansas City CVS pharmacies that did their walkouts first, because let me tell you, once they did it, we was like, say less, say less. We out here. Everybody else said, me too, me too, me too. We about to do this thing. And Walgreens and CVS pharmacists, technicians, interns have been doing walkouts all across the country for the last couple of months. And it has been a sweet sight to see. So I'm just shouting out all the pharmacists, all the technicians, district leaders, and whoever did a walkout or supported the walkouts. We thank you. And on top of the pharmacy walkouts, y'all, Kaiser Permanente in Los Angeles did the largest healthcare walkout that has been ever done in the history of the United States of these Americas. So let me tell you, people out here, nurses, pharmacists, physicians, and the likes are saying enough is enough. I've said this before and I will say it again. What's happening in the world of pharmacy is not just in pharmacy. Healthcare and its structure in the United States has gone off the deep end and it's happened since before COVID. Let me repeat, since before COVID, it has been a systemic public health issue in the healthcare system for decades, decades. And we're finally standing up for ourselves. People are finally saying that we're going to put ourselves first because us putting ourselves first is actually putting the patients first. Knowing that the abuse in the healthcare system, knowing that the abuse behind the counter is affecting our patients and it's affecting the public's health at large. So if we don't stand up for ourselves, we are ultimately harming our patients and we took oath saying we will do no harm, which means we will not allow harm to be done to us because hurt people hurt people even when they don't want to hurt people. And that's what's happened to healthcare. The system has hurt the workers and unintentionally due to that system, harm is happening to the workers and their patients. So here we are 
thank you guys for doing your work. And those who have supported, who have people that get medications, see providers and the likes, we are so grateful to you because you guys have stood next to us. You guys are hearing us. You guys are supporting us. You guys are sharing what we're putting out there. The media now is finally picking up coverage. We've been on NPR, Washington Post, all literally all over the U.S. now. And we've been trying for years for them to take our story seriously. And the timing has been ripe and it's perfect to pick and really get to the bottom of this. So thank you guys and keep supporting the hashtag pizza is not working movement. We are just in the beginning and not just our movement, but also let's support the other healthcare workers that are doing their walkouts. Really talk to your providers if you have an opportunity to really find out what's going on and to hear personal stories, do that because they will tell you exactly what needs to be said, why things are happening the way they are, why it affects you, not just as a patient, but as someone who has people in your life that are patients. This all affects you and we want you to be safe and healthy, which starts with us. So we love you guys and thank you so much for the support in this movement. Yo! Today's shout out goes to Dr. Shane Jeromsky, also known as the accidental pharmacist. Guys, if you are not following this man, you are missing out on some high class humor in the midst of a dire situation. Dr. Jeromsky has been out here advocating through humor all over the socials about what is going on in pharmacy. He's a pharmacist in California. He is vocal. He is in the news. He's on Instagram. He's on Facebook as an accidental pharmacist. I highly recommend you follow this man because you will be educated and you will laugh your butt off in the process. Shane, thank you so much for advocating for us. Thank you so much for making the world of pharmacy a brighter spot. And thank you for organizing a cruise pharmacy for 2024 for us to get CEs, laugh, celebrate why we love being in the field of pharmacy, why we advocate for the field of pharmacy, why pharmacy is still important and giving us some time to catch some rays, man. You are awesome. Again, if you're not following the accidental pharmacist, you are missing out on some crucial information on these screens. Oh, so thanks, Dr. Jeromsky. You are awesome. Today's conversation was one that I had with Mike Kelser, who's the host of the Business of Pharmacy podcast, which is a pretty interesting and entertaining weekly podcast discussion on the business of pharmacy. Now, in addition to hosting that podcast, Mike also owns an independent pharmacy in the state of Michigan. When he's not working, he enjoys improving his sight reading on the piano. Now, today's conversation He unpacks for us how he sees the overall business of the industry of pharmacy through his lens as not only a pharmacy owner, but also having over 160 shows on this very topic. Okay, Mike, so what pharmacy concept are you wanting to unpack for us today? Well, I guess what I do, Candice, is I am kind of a conglomerate 
of 170 some guests that I've had on my podcast. And my podcast is the Business of Pharmacy podcast. And um, basically on our show, we talk about everything except the medicine. <laughs> I get in trouble when I start talking about medicine. But we cover everything from uh, customer service to uh, pharmacy industry to uh, issues with pharmacy benefit managers to public speaking, anything that owners, as I am an independent pharmacy owner, anything that might be of interest in the business world, except for the medicine. Mm. Okay. So then with, I mean, you've had such a long running history with this show and talking about the business side, the industry. So just from the hundreds of episodes that you've done, yeah. what what are you picking up on or what have you picked up on in those conversations in relation to what you're seeing happening right now with healthcare in relation to what's going on in retail? I think the biggest positive thing I'm seeing from the, the podcast is with the internet slash social media, it's a great time that the behemoth of the industries, in this case, pharmacy benefit managers, and let's say the uh, vertical integration of uh, pharmacies, which cause monopolies and so on. Whenever issues would come up in the past, when you've got that kind of power you're going up against, it can easily, easily squash you. And the excitement I'm seeing is by because of the age we're in now with the technology we have to do what you and I are doing, along with not having a middleman. So you no longer have to wait for, you know, a record deal. You no longer have to wait for a producer to find you and so on. And that's a really cool time to combine the socialness and spread of the internet and social media, along with not having a middleman. And I think finally, as these voices start going against these Goliath uh, industry um, factors, it's nice that we can build some momentum with the things I talked about. And for me, it's the podcast. Mm. So, okay. I have a, I have a question for you. Um, do you, you, you called the, you know, these big name ch chain corporations, you call them the Goliaths of our industry. Do you, do you, and do you think others based on the people that you've talked with over the years, do you believe that there's a need to keep these major corporations or do you see there being a possibility for a pharmacy to survive completely without those big industries and basically focus on more of the independent side? Or do you think the, the balance of having big corporations and your basically independent mom and pop shop still available is a good balance still, if we can just get it to work for everyone involved in the system. I think as far as the pharmacies go, I think that 
independent pharmacies could run the world. I don't think there's a need for a chain pharmacy per se. I think when you get to the level, though, of the interaction between pharmacies and insurance companies and healthcare financial stuff, I think you're always going to have to have some intermediary of a pharmacy benefit manager of some sort. I don't think it's realistic to say that all of the independent pharmacies, the 20,000 of them are going to deal individually with the different insurance companies. I think you need that that middleman. So that's one area that I think as we, as I bemoan uh, pharmacy benefit managers on my show, I think the issue that we're looking for, I and my guess, is to get rid of the opacity of those, to clear things up. I think that they're always going to be there, but they have to, we, but, but they have to take down the smoke and mirrors and kind of come out into the light. Do you mind unpacking a little bit for those who are listening and maybe aren't a hundred percent sure, maybe have never heard of what a pharmacy benefit manager is. Do you mind just kind of sharing what that middleman is and what their role is or has been in the industry? Yeah. So in the 1970s, basically when pharmacies started dealing more with insurance companies up until that time, it was mainly cash pay. And then in the seventies, insurance just started covering more and more pharmacy benefits. So you'd go to the pharmacy and instead of spending a hundred dollars on something, the insurance would pay for it. I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd pay the insurance company, but, but then you'd get the medicine for, for your copay, let's say $10 or something like that. And pharmacies were not innocent. Back then, when you had all of these players, hundreds, thousands of players on this side and thousands of players on the insurance side, it was the prices were all over the board. And there was some probably um, nefarious pharmacists that uh, maybe took advantage of some of that. And so these pharmacy benefit managers came in and they were basically the middleman. They said to the insurance companies, they said, look, we're going to... Um, instead of you dealing with 20,000 pharmacies, you're just going to deal with us. And they said to the pharmacies, look, instead of dealing with all these insurance companies, you're just going to deal with us. And we are the benevolent uh, middleman. We're going to keep all these prices in line. We're going to have the maximum that the insurances are going to be charged. And we're going to have the pharmacies only allowed to bills so much and so on. So they were a pretty decent middleman. The problem is, and the problem is, is when these pharmacy benefit managers started getting bigger, now there's like three of these middlemen for 80% of the market. So all of the pharmacy sales in the country go through these three big PBMs. Now, when the PBMs are so big, and they're public companies, and they have to keep getting more and more revenue every year. The way they get more revenue is they say, ah, let's see, all you manufacturers deal with us as a PBM. Guess what? Unless you give us great rebates and give us a lot of money off your drug, we're not going to promote you. We're only going to promote the manufacturer. Let's say there's five medicines for a heart condition. We're only going to promote the manufacturer that gives us the the best deal. 
Then they'll go to the pharmacies and they'll say, uh, guess what? We own uh, 30 to 50% of your business. And if you don't accept this lower rate, we're going to tell those customers not to go to your pharmacy anymore. We're going to have them go somewhere else. So the pharmacy benefit manager started getting really big in the middle. The problem is they were not increasing any healthcare. They were taking healthcare dollars, but they were not improving any healthcare. Then recently we're seeing, as I said, how the companies are publicly owned and they have to keep increasing their revenue. Then we're seeing vertical integration where now these pharmacy benefit managers are starting to own healthcare systems and pharmacies. And so now not only are they threatening the left and the right with these prices, they're saying, we don't even need you. We own these pharmacies and we can force everybody to come to us because we can give a better deal for the consumer than we're going to let you guys give. So the problem with these pharmacy benefit managers, they become really, really big. They're very opaque. You can't see what's going on. And they're eating up a ton of the healthcare dollar without giving any benefit. Man. See, this is a, this seems to be a conversation that at least in the world of pharmacy, people seem to be on two sides of the fence. Some people are like, yeah, let's keep PBMs. And some people are like, get rid of every single one of them. We don't need them. What, what is the, what is it about PBMs that if you had to look at it from a chain pharmacy workers perspective yeah. versus an independent pharmacy workers perspective, what makes PBMs either beneficial or a hindrance to what's happening inside of a pharmacy? I think inside of a pharmacy, uh, when a pharmacist is not dealing directly with the prices, I think the pharmacy benefit managers have not become such a hindrance to what you're trying to do day to day if you're a chain pharmacist because you're not seeing the back end dollar. An independent pharmacist, you have at least one in every store knowing how the PBM is, is screwing you. Mm -hmm. I think recently, though, you're starting to see more chain pharmacists even getting ticked off at the PBMs because they're playing a big part in the profit of a store and thus the ability for a store to properly staff. Now that's giving too much credit to the chain owner, but in theory, if you pull the profit out, you're pulling out the uh, support help and so on. So I think recently, I think more and more people are picking up on the um, negative connotation of a pharmacy benefit manager more now than ever. Mm. That's, that's really frustrating that you have this, what it's hard, it's hard for me to process the idea of PBM still being a middleman if they seem to be owning everything. It's like at that point, like, are you really in the middle or are you just the dictator? Well, and, and the thing is, is that There's 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 more independent pharmacies than there are chain pharmacies in the U.S. Now, if you're living in a big city, 
or even a medium-sized city, that doesn't make sense. You're like, well, we have just one independent, we have one independent pharmacy and there's like eight chains around me. And a lot of people can say that. When you look at the big picture of the United States though, and you think about all these small towns you go through and a lot of them have the pharmacies, that's where the PBMs still need independent pharmacies to play a part. Believe me, if they could find a way to get by with only their own pharmacies and just shutting out independent pharmacies, they certainly would. At this point, no. At this point now, though, because of the 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 urban uh, areas, or or I don't know if "urban" is the right word, it, it, with the with the areas out, you know, far out in the country, that's where the independents are still important, and that's, that's why they true. still have to let them survive, but of course not thrive. Correct. Okay. That makes sense. Cause you, the rural areas, I guess you're thinking rural, of. Yeah. Yeah. Rural. So, so having a public health background for myself, I think about the social determinants of health, which is, you know, there are these big categories of health of, for the public that we like to look at, whether it's transportation, food access, healthcare access, things like that. And people that are living out in the more rural areas and actually sometimes you're not wrong in saying urban just because sometimes even in the urban areas, they're not getting exactly what they need from big chains. Yeah. Those areas love their mom and pop shops because they're in town, they're local. They don't have to drive an hour and some change into town to Mm -hmm. get to that, that one chain pharmacy Mm -hmm. that by the time they get there, they may or may not even have their drug. So, you know, the, the independent side of pharmacy is super beneficial. And yet because of how the, the big corporations are basically puppeting the system, the independents are having to try to maneuver within that, that structure. And it's, like you said, it doesn't allow them to really thrive, but the, the communities, uh, uh, they appreciate their presence there because it, it, it fills in a gap that they tend to have. So in, on this vein, why, why do you think PBMs and the, the business model of a pharmacy nationwide why should, why would a patient care about any of this as long as there's either an independent or a chain to get their medicines at? Yeah, the um, the reason the patients, I think that takes a long time for this to hit because there's some independent pharmacies that are hanging on and I think a lot of independent pharmacists, if they are listening, they could hardly even imagine what their customers would do. The more difficult customers, the ones that have some of those issues thrown at them. And a lot of pharmacies couldn't imagine how their employees or how their uh, patients would, would do that. And But that doesn't happen overnight. You know, a pharmacist's profit goes down, then they 
then they're even for a while, then they tap their 401 and pretty soon they're out of business. And so it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, and here's the big thing, Candace. I'm not out here saying that independent pharmacies are better than a chain. And I'm mm. not out here saying that people would rather come to me than deal with an online pharmacy. You know, they don't have to get out. It's brought to their door and all that kind of stuff. The big thing for me and most of my guests I've talked to is that we don't want any favors, but we just want an even playing field. Mm. We don't want the PBMs to charge customers that come to us more than their own pharmacies are charging customers. Right. So we're just looking for that even playing field. We're not looking for any favors of, oh, we're small and we're family owned. And, you know, our, my, our dog is in the back, you know, throw him a bone, that kind of stuff. We don't care about that stuff. We're just saying, just make it even, just let us compete. And some people want to deal with us and some people don't. Right. Yeah. That's, that, that is such a great point. And it, touches on the public health side of this, like this, yes, we're healthcare, but to have an imbalance in how independence and chain pharmacies can all thrive in their areas, wherever yeah. they're located, that's, that's an equitable ask. Like we're asking mm -hmm. for equity here. Yeah. Like that's, that is a public health ask. We want to yeah. make sure that if the if the playing field was level and made sense and was equitable for every pharmacy in the country, yeah, then we wouldn't have to worry as much about access to care. We wouldn't have to worry as much about, yeah, you have a pharmacy, but I can't afford getting my medicine at this pharmacy. You wouldn't yeah. have to. There's so many factors that the patient ends up having to process and figure out. And sometimes they don't have the option to figure out because like you said earlier with the, the way that PBMs kind of work, they dictate where patients are driven to go. And that may or may not work out in the favor of the actual patient. I, I've yeah, seen and it so many times where you have a patient that they just show up at the pharmacy and they're like, I got a letter. I'm not allowed to come here anymore. Yes. I don't know what happened. Like they, yep. there's no real explanation. They're just like, by the way, this is not your pharmacy anymore. You have these three options. And they're like, these options aren't close to my house or yeah. these options. I don't know these people. I, yeah. I don't want to switch. And it, if you're it, it a, throws people into confusion. Yeah. If you're a 30 year old and you get that letter and you understand what's happening and you've got a car and you've got a cell phone and you pass a few pharmacies on the way to work, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. If you're 80 years old and you have trouble reading the letter and you don't quite understand and you're not driving, you need delivery and you can't figure out the computer system and you need someone to help you over the phone and be patient with you and so on. That's a different story. And again, if they want to go to the chain, let them, but don't force that person to go somewhere else. If we're even willing to take the same exact payment, don't force them to go somewhere else. Right. Right. Oh, this it's such a it's such a frustrating topic from, you know, for us as being in healthcare, being having worked in pharmacy, having you have mm -hmm. owned pharmacy. And so this this conversation 
from being on the inside of a pharmacy and looking to our patients and sometimes feeling helpless in this space because it's we're not we're not dictating it. if we if they wanted to stay we would keep them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they don't always have that voice to say otherwise because this is the insurance that they have and that's what yeah. they said it even comes down to the formularies yeah. that you know they're like this medication has been working for me and my insurance says they're no longer paying for it and I have to choose another med and it's not working yeah. as like there's so many things that are frustrating and, and part of the problem is you're really a sitting duck people who are on these plans you don't pick an employer you don't say okay i've got four or five jobs i can i can be an employer at and oh i'm gonna pick that one because they have this insurance and i understand this insurance and i think that's better you don't do that you get a job where you get a job you know, you think you'll be somewhat happy. You don't think too much about their insurance plans because by the time you like something, they might change it the next quarter or the next year. They might go with someone. And even the business owners that sign up for these insurances slash PBMs, they don't know all the rules. It's so, it's so cloudy. And so you're really a sitting duck for these companies. Do you... Do you see a, like if if everything stayed the way it is and it looked, it continued to look the way it looks like it's going, how, how do you see the state of pharmacy changing that should be probably concerning for, for the public to be aware of? Well, and let me, let me preface this, Candace, with this, that I think there are a lot of cool things happening with public knowledge and with the Supreme Court has made a decision and local rules have been devised in a lot of different states and so on. So there's a there's a, a, a brighter light coming through the tunnel. However, if those didn't come to fruition, mm. the, the PBMs are doing just enough to have companies still come and buy their plans. And so if they can get a prescription to somebody in a time frame that is not so awful that it's making the front page of the paper and they can save money by doing that, they'll do it. They don't care how many pharmacies are out there. They don't care if it's mail order. They don't care about a lot of stuff. As long as the employer kind of get, as long as the employee kind of gets her medicine and the employer is sort of satisfied with that and they still sign up for the PBM, that's all they really care about. And they don't care about, they don't care about much stuff at all as long as their profit keeps going. Mm, this, so from that vein, that scares me to a degree. Cause I, I've always seen pharmacy as the heart of health of the healthcare system, because mm-hmm. we're the most accessible healthcare yeah. worker, healthcare provider out there. So when, when you have these, PBMs kind of managing how the system goes and it's 
it's, it's kind of weird to me that with that drive for making sure that their pockets are pretty much fat, like I'm just going to call it what it is, making sure that they're getting paid. And as long as everyone's kind of sort of with the system, cause they yeah. have enough uh, financial threat power yeah. uh, to, to right. make sure that everyone's right. at least hush enough to be okay with what they're doing. Yeah. Then the, the, the patients then are basically caught in this battle, not battle between the ones who are trying to serve the public and the ones that aren't really Mm -hmm. the most considerate about what that looks like as long as they're getting paid. So as we're serving the public, but really with our hands tied behind our backs and we're trying to throw meds over the counter with our elbows, basically, then the, the patient's, aren't getting their consistent care, which then in my brain goes to, okay, well, well that's, that's a rehospitalization waiting to happen, which then affects the, the hospital system. Cause they get dinged every time someone gets rehospitalized. And if we keep pushing that into the hospital system, they're going to continue there. I mean, they, some of them have already reported. We've seen yeah. articles across the nation of like the rehospitalization rates mm-hmm. are unnecessary and they're not about COVID. They're not mm-hmm. about monkeypox. They're just about people yeah. not being able to get access to what they usually would be getting access to. And there's a whole battle going on that's f- causing that to happen. So it's like, there's so many places that people's hands seem to be tied in such a way that to, for us to be able to talk about this on a podcast is a big deal where a lot of people can't even talk about it in the workplace. Yeah because of the retaliation and like there's so many factors going on inside the pharmacy that then are we're seeing affect our patients which then is affecting the hospital system and eventually in my brain if it keeps going like that it it could capsize it to some degree yeah and one of the brighter lights that i was mentioning was the federal trade commission just in the last uh month or so um, is pressing the pharmacy benefit managers to look into their things. And I think that's where a big part of the answer comes because the reason patients are suffering and they are because pharmacy is not just, uh, it's not like buying marshmallows, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, often problems behind it and, and communication issues and medical issues, but it's come down to the FTC getting involved because this is truly a monopoly case. If there was more competition among the pharmacy benefit managers and if they break up some of the the vertical integration there, that competition will at least in theory create better services and the customers then come out ahead the patients come out ahead that would just that would be fantastic even something as simple as that i think that's a great middleman or not middleman but a a great compromise for those that either want to completely get rid of pbms and those are like man we can keep pbms but as long as there's if there's enough transparency so we can all see what's going on then we there's can work a, on this. There's a lot of great PBMs, and I've spoken to 
a couple CEOs on my show of some transparent PBMs and some different uh, industry voices. There's some really good things that pharmacy benefit managers can do if they're more transparent. So then how how would you suggest the chain in independent pharmacy workers, the patients, and maybe just the public at large who just know that they have at least a family member that goes to a pharmacy where do you see any of these groups of people having a way to get involved in their desire to see something like transparency for PBMs or um, just making sure that the, the the playing field is at least even for everyone to have a fair shot in this side of healthcare? I think it comes from... Uh two directions, if I could think of the two strongest ones I've seen. One is communicating with places like the Federal Trade Commission. They've The Federal Trade Commission in this last big move they made, they opened this up for public comment. Usually you don't get to comment right to the Federal Trade Commission. And they got like, there's like 20,000 independent pharmacies. They got 24,000. They got more input on this than there are even pharmacies, you know, because pharmacists can do it individually and things like that. But, and that's just going to be communicating with them and with the politicians and things like that. I think the next way to go is for consumers to do everything they can to embarrass the leaders of these larger corporations. And when I say embarrassed, that might be a heartstring story of how some child some child was was damaged because they received a mail order pharmacy prescription and it it was too hot and melted in the back of the UPS truck, things like that. There's a lot of stories that um, they're not just maybe embarrassing attacks, but I think that the news has to be used, social media. I think that um, I don't even think you can hit these places are so big and these PBMs are so wealthy. I don't think you can hit them in the pocketbook. I think you have to hit them in the public discord of, of embarrassment and saying, you know, because nobody wants to be embarrassed. A company doesn't want to be embarrassed and the, you know, nobody wants to be embarrassed. I think that's frankly, I think that's where, where they have to be hit. That's a good point that you just made as far as hitting them in the, not really hitting them in the pockets. Cause technically that affects the patient too. You know, like, it's not like the consumers yeah. are just like, we're not getting any no. of our meds. Like no. they need them. You, you so got they, it right. You got they it have right. to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So being transparent though, about, how the system is affecting their care when they are trying to get their meds and they are trying to be, you know, as best stewards of their health as they can with the assistance of those that know them working behind the counter, those stories, their reputation, they usually care about if more and more stories come out and it hits the news, the local news, the, the national news, it hits TikTok, goes viral. Like, you know, there's so yeah. many things yeah. that, if we could just encourage patients to realize that their voice in this fight for an equitable 
pharmacy slash healthcare system, I personally believe is actually stronger than ours because they're not employed by them. That's right. Because no they one pay them technically. And, and it's the optics of saying when a pharmacist does it, when I complain about it, there's this old Mike being selfish and wanting to increase his business. When the patient complains about it, that is the, uh, that's the guts of it. And I think that as you're saying, Candace, everybody has to speak up because I was just talking to uh, a guest yesterday on, on my show and there's rarely been a movement where you can pin the success on this instant. You know, you look at everything from women voting and civil rights and, you know, the meatpacking industry and all this stuff. It's not like one person said, I'm changing this. It's always been the grassroots and it raises up. And you think that it's kind of like those games where you, you drop balls down the thing and they got those rubber bands. You don't know when the, where the ball's going to come out. You don't know who's going to do it, but that whole grassroots has to raise up and eventually you get some shoots coming up. You don't know who it is, but you've raised up the whole level of that noise. Mm. I love that. I love that. I'm so glad we had you on the show because just your perspective and pretty much speaking based on all of these conversations that you've had over the years is it's really eye opening, even for me. And so just thank you so much for coming on the show, unpacking this for us and giving us more to really think about. So truly appreciate you, Mike. Thank it was you. It a pleasure. Thank you. And now for some real stories by real people just like you. This story was submitted by a Florida CVS pharmacist who is also the pharmacy manager for their store. This pharmacist wrote, I had just received my pharmacist license not even 24 hours before. I was walking my dog when I got a call from a desperate scheduler to go cover the busiest store in our district, 30 minutes past opening hours, without any prior training on how to verify. They said, just go in and stand there. Six months later, I'm managing that store without a staff pharmacist, again with no training on how to manage a pharmacy. This story, I have to say thank you so much for highlighting something like this because this is a part of the problem that we're seeing behind the counter. Not everyone is getting what they need. As you can see, this pharmacist wasn't even getting the adequate training that they needed to work the system and accomplish their tasks as the pharmacist and the pharmacist in charge over this pharmacy. And they don't even have staff. So how are they supposed to get all of those prescriptions filled? And it's the busiest store in their area. That is not fair. And that type of work environment affects everyone, those behind the counter and those in front of it. So thank you again for highlighting such an important side of this conversation. That wraps up today's episode of the hashtag pizza is not working podcast. There are three ways to get involved with pizza is not working, all of which have URL links with detailed instructions in the show notes for how to do just that. Number one, join your state's Pizza Is Not Working branch either publicly or anonymously. 
Number two, submit a public or anonymous story or spotlight to be read on the show. And number three, apply to be a potential guest for this show. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just hope that you didn't burn the roof of your mouth with this one. Again, this is your host, Dr. Candace Olushala, closing up shop. Until next time, peace.